And now, The Low Post. Welcome to The Low Post Podcast. Happy Halloween. James Harden plays for the Clippers now. The ramp up. Always ramping up, never ramping down. The ramp up is over. All of a sudden, James Harden is going to be frisky and all ramped up. Bobby Marks, happy Halloween. Woo! Happy Halloween to you. Probably out of all my holidays, um, Bah Humbug, my least favorite. I am what? not a hol- I am not a Halloween. No, we're gonna Okay, we're not gonna we we can't. We're gonna come back to this because the people who don't like Halloween are like, what the hell is wrong with you? It's the best. Now, however, I will always remember, I will always associate Halloween with James Harden. I'm not sure that I want that. Uh, association but it is there let us uh, our, our our short national nightmare is over uh we don't have to wonder if james harden will show up will he be wearing the fat suit again will he be throwing one-handed bounce passes to nobody all, all the way to the opposite sideline um he will play instead for the clippers on a four superstar at least in nba history conglomerate of los angeles basketball royalty southern california basketball royalty that is so strange and so intertwined that i my brain is still wrapping its arms around what in the hell just happened all these dudes play for the same team russ and james harden are on the same team again for the third time paul george is like am i gonna get to dribble anymore I look amazing. Has anyone watched me? I look incredible. Do I get the? Do I just have to catch and shoot? Am I Ray Allen? All of a sudden, let's can, can we review the terms of what is an incredibly complicated three-team trade, Bobby? Three-team trade. Yes, Oklahoma City sneaks in at the end. And, of course um, they do. Of course, okay. they, and they own so many picks that it's just it's just too confusing. I I I in just Clippers tradition. I got up to go to the bathroom at 3.45 in the morning because I drink 9 million gallons of water every day, looked at my phone when I when I got out of bed. It's okay, I guess I'm awake now. Can the Clippers make a goddamn trade at a normal time? Well, wait, Tobias Harris, right? No, uh, that Tobias, wasn't even well, a normal that, time. Well, that wasn't uh, – Tobias was uh, well, like 2017, 18, and then, of course, you know, the, the Paul George – Shea Gilders, Alexander, Kawhi on the side, um, 3 a.m. type deal there. Um, All right, yeah, okay. I mean, let's go okay. through the terms here. The Los Angeles Clippers get James Harden, P.J. Tucker, which I think is actually a sneaky important part of this deal for everybody involved. Yep. The Sixers get off his $11 million for next year, and they can continue to live this, this reality. I was going to say sell the dream. It's not a dream. It's reality. They're going to have a lot of cap space. And the Clippers, I think, really need P.J. Tucker's size. He kind of sneakily might unlock some five out, or I don't know if they're five out anymore because P.J. Tucker is not like out in terms of do you have to guard him out there, but non-center lineups that the Clippers have dabbled in for years. And uh, this Petrosev person, uh, we'll see what that amounts to. In exchange, the Clippers send out their 2028 unprotected first-round pick. They had, of course, two first-round picks to trade, 2028 and 2030. They did not send out 2030, which will be declared as a victory in Clipperland. A 2029 first-round pick swap. Marcus Morris, Nick Batum, Robert Covington, and K.J. Martin. In addition, a late entry to the sweepstakes. 
The Clippers also give Oklahoma City the right to swap first-round picks with them in 2027. You may ask yourself, what in the hell is Oklahoma City doing in this deal? Why are the Clippers giving them a valuable swap right in 2027? It is because as part of the deal, the Sixers wanted two first-round picks. They're not getting the two Clippers picks. What they are getting is a 2026 first-round pick that was initially reported as the Clippers' first-round pick that the Thunder owned from the whole earthquake with Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Kawhi and PG that started this whole goddamn thing. But that is not, in fact, what the Sixers are getting. The Sixers, according to our reporting, Bobby, are getting a 2026 first-round pick that is the least favorable among Oklahoma City's pick in 2026, the Clippers' pick in 2026, and the Rockets' top four protected first-round pick in 2026. For simplicity purposes, the Sixers are, are seem likely to get the 2026 Oklahoma City Thunder pick. That seems like the safest bet to be the lowest of those three picks. So, in, in a sense, I think I would expect... And some seconds. What are the seconds involved, Bobby? So they're getting a Clipper second in, uh, this is going to Philadelphia in 2029. Okay. Clippers had four seconds to, to trade. They had two in this year's draft in 2024. They also had a 29 and 30. So 29 is going to um, Philadelphia. And then a little bit of uh, complexity here. I got to actually take oh, my God. glasses off. Oh, read Jesus. This. They are getting a 2024 second. That is the more favorable of Indiana and Toronto. I, you know what? The I've least stopped, favorable. I, I don't care anymore. I don't care anymore. I'm done Utah. caring about the details of the trade. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just going to stop you right there. I don't care. What wonderful. I hope you one know of what? the favorites. Just, just tune in at the end of June and see what Philadelphia has a pick in the second round. <laughs> so I suspect... Both sides will puff their chests here and declare some form of victory. The Clippers will say, you didn't get both of our first round picks, 2028 and 2030, unprotected. You got 2028 unprotected, which is a juicy, juicy pick, considering that the Clippers are old and expensive and have very few ways to reshape this roster in 2028, other than having Steve Ballmer's money, Los Angeles in a new arena with lots of toilets. Um, uh, and you also didn't get Terrence Mann. We keep Terrence Mann. So you got neither of these things that you wanted. The Sixers will say, well, hey, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. We did get two first-round picks, kind of, sort of, from the Clippers. We got the 2028 one, the juicy one. And we got 2026, but it's kind of the least favorable of three. But we got 2026. And we got all these expiring contracts. And, and, and by the way, Robert Covington has been starting and playing well. Nick Batum is good. Kenyon Martin Jr. is interesting. We got real players who can help us hold the fort. Until and unless we figure out who in the hell the mythical player we're trading for with now that we have these picks. Uh, and I believe they can now offer three first round picks, the two that they received in this trade and their own 2030 pick, plus whatever seconds that I don't care to detail here, plus all this expiring money. They only have necessary if it, they have a, a, a team option on Jaden Springer. For 24-25. That's on October 31st. That is oh! Halloween for Jaden Springer. That is a rookie-scale team option. Well, so. you know what? It's Halloween. Who the hell knows what's going to happen? So whether they pick that up or not, they either have just Embiid and Maxi's cap hold. And we'll see. You know, they also have their own 2024 first-round pick. That will be a cap hold if they, if they still have it. 
Uh, or I guess they have to have it. They can't trade that pick. Um, and, uh, and Paul Reed trade. and Paul Reed, the non guaranteed. Paul Reed contract. is non guaranteed. Yep. Paul Reed is non guaranteed. So they, if, but my point is they can open up mega max cap space, enough cap space after the day. They they've taken on no long term salary really in this trade. Um, who, I mean, we do this winners thing. And, the, and of course, the Clippers now have James Harden on their team, which is okay. That's a, that's a thing. And um, I I think they I, – I said a week ago on this podcast, the Clippers want James Harden. It's a real thing. They want it more than they want Malcolm Brogdon. Now they have James Harden. After hitting pause for two seconds, they have now acquired James Harden. Um, and I think that tells you everything you need to know about what they thought of their team with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. They thought it wasn't good enough. And they're right. Um, it wasn't good enough. It wasn't reliable enough. Now, if Kawhi Leonard gets hurt, they still have no shot to win the title in the playoffs. I mean, it's, it's that simple. If they're all healthy, I, I just got to see it. Um, in, in the meantime, Harden becomes the regular season innings eater. The guy who's like, if Kawhi has to miss 15 games, if PG has to miss 20 games, we don't want to fall into the muck of the play-in. We, we would like to get home court in the first round. This guy, for all the disappearing acts in the playoffs, for all the uh, the ball didn't come back to me. I mean, Bobby, in 2019, I came up with my favorite comparison I've ever made. And I, God damn it, I made it on Bill Simmons' podcast when I said James Harden is the Carl Malone of guards. In 2020, I wrote a piece about how in the Rockets-Lakers second round series in the bubble, James Harden had a chance to rewrite his postseason legacy in the NBA. A chance to rewrite the way he is thought about in his legacy. That is three years and three teams ago and two horrible playoff meltdowns ago. 2022 against Miami. The ball didn't find its way back to me. And last year against Boston, when the entire Sixers team just farted its way out of the playoffs. Before that, 2021 in Brooklyn, I thought that was a kind of borderline. Heroic is too strong of a word. But James Harden played hard. He played through injury. And he produced in game six and seven of that nets Bucks series. But this, my God, how many times are we going to do this with James Harden? Um, we can get to the can they win the title thing. I will say as a, as a, as a teaser. This is such a thrown together strange team. And you look atop the West. It's too early to look atop the West, atop the projections of the West. And you see another thrown together team, also from the remnants of the destroyed Brooklyn Nets, the Phoenix Suns. And then you see two teams, Denver and Golden State, with a lot of shared history, a lot of coherence a totally kind of homemade identity and familiarity that is like a, a very stark contrast to what the Clippers are going to be. But just give me re gut reaction when you first heard about this. Is there a winner? Is there a loser? Are we all winners? Are we all losers? What 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 did what did your brain go to? Well, my, my brain went to the one thing that's not not going to be in the transaction log or, you know, on the trade call with both teams or both, all three teams is that um, the distraction known as James Harden, that was part of the trade. OK, it's been a distraction in Philadelphia. 
is he here? Is he practicing? Is he going to play? Um, is he not going to come to practice? Like Philadelphia now no longer has to worry about James Harden reporting to practice, ramping up, missing for personal reasons. Like that goes all out the window here. So that's for me, that's the biggest. We could talk about draft picks and everything. That's one of the biggest takeaways here is that that distraction now is removed for serviceable players. I think out of the four, KJ Martin for me, I like. Um, your draft equity is now built back up because you had picks going out to Brooklyn. You had picks going out to Oklahoma City. Um, you do get two seconds and two first. Um, I'm sure people in the Philadelphia front office will probably make an argument that what we got back is the same as um, fee, uh, Portland getting back in the Drew Holiday trade. I've heard that argument and, you know, we'll see how that plays out here. Um, so I, Hey, considering where the Sixers were considering that there, they had no other teams out there outside of the Clippers. I thought they did really well. I think from the Clippers perspective, People are saying, well, why don't you wait until January? Why don't you wait until February? I think it might have been too late based on integrating Harden into this roster. So instead of having 40 games to do it, now you have 79 games to do it. Probably we'll see him play sometime this week. Um, no, he's got to ramp up. The ramp, he's not done ramping up. He's, they've got a, I think they've got a road trip coming up here, um, coming east. Um, they did not trade that 2030. They did not trade Terrence Mann. So they still have those in their back pocket. Um, and as you said, he's an in innings eater. It's almost like, and it's different. It's almost like when he went to Brooklyn in 2000, um, 2021 and Kyrie was away from the team and Durant was, you know, the, the injury factor there where he was that stopgap, that, that insurance policy in Brooklyn. And now he's, you know, he's an insurance, not a, probably more than an insurance policy because both guys, uh, Paul and Kawhi are healthy. Um, I think it's just a matter of like, you know, now you've got Westbrook, you know, you got Harden with the ball. How is Paul and Kawhi going to be integrated? I think there's the basketball element there. Um, but as we, we've said all along with like how, like I've said all along, like these type of trades are not supposed to happen under the new CBA, right? Like but they are happening because the league has allowed teams that are in the second apron to make trades, to aggregate contracts, to take back money, more money for now. That won't happen next off season. And so the Clippers th could not make this trade a year from now because they will not, to be clear, they will not be able to combine all of these mid-sized salaries for one big one. They could do the opposite, right? They Correct. Could, Reverse. They could, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we saw it in, um, we saw it in Boston with uh, Drew Holiday. We saw it in, in Milwaukee with Damian Lillard here. Like these, like, you know, they took on $30 million extra in, in, in luxury tax penalties here. And so I understand it. So I, I'm not really, I would say if I'm going to give a winner and a loser, I, I mean, I'm not going to give a loser, but I just say winner just because Philadelphia got rid of the, the heart. You know, as I said, when I started, just they just got rid of the heart and distraction. I mean, that's the reality of it. I, you're now refreshing my memory that I remember saying before the offseason one of the safest bets in the league is that because of that time pressure of the new CBA, the Clippers are going to make an aggregation trade and it didn't happen for a long time. And now it's, it's finally happened. So yay. Um, the distraction of Harden last week, I compared 
what was going on between the Sixers and Harden to the old nuclear war uh, theory of mutually assured destruction, that neither party wanted the risk of escalating the conflict any further than where it currently was. And they had found this nice little purgatory to live in where the Sixers had excused the bulk of, if not all of James Harden's absences. They had not fined him. They had, they had not pushed whatever button they could push to escalate the situation, which essentially is taking away his money. James Harden had not pushed whatever button he could push to escalate the situation, which I, I think the easiest one for him to push was the, I'm just going to play every single game, like the last couple of games with the Rockets before I wanted to get traded, and the infamous Kings game with Brooklyn, which was the last game he ever played for the Nets when he wanted to get traded. And very fittingly, if you know James Harden's history, I did not realize this until today, he shot 2 of 11 in that game. 2 of 11, I feel like Jim, remember that Jim Carrey movie, The Number 23, where he like went insane and kept seeing the number 23? 2 of 11 in James Harden, there's just like something mystical going on with James Harden shooting 2 of 11 in these landmark games. In any case, that was the obvious escalation and if he had done that then that would have created a reaction from Philadelphia who knows what that would have been I mean should we just should we just be also clear what what everyone now gets to just move on with the situation right James Harden called Daryl Morey a liar in public in China twice in the offseason the NBA has investigated now twice the James Harden Philadelphia whatever when he signed the one plus one for less than the max and twice has concluded there was no promise, no handshake, no anything made. Um, the Sixers were dinged for uh, jumping the gun with P.J. Tucker and Daniel House to fit their salaries into various exceptions, not for anything with James Harden. Um, and... And then, you know, they, they kind of looked at it again after he called Daryl Morey a liar. And the conclusion there was he's mad that he hasn't been traded to the Clippers yet. I've already said on this podcast, that does not pass the smell test to me. You and I have talked about this before. He's not, he was mad about that, but he was already mad about other stuff. And it, we know that because he requested a trade on June 30th after opting into his, opting into his contract, which was well before he called Daryl Morey a liar. And we can all speculate what he was mad about. It seems fairly obvious that he, for whatever reason, expected a certain compensation offer after last offseason that never came. Why did he expect it? I don't, maybe just because that's what happens in the NBA, but it never came. Why didn't it come? I don't know. But everyone now just gets to move on from the situation. And the Nets, who have watched this with their hands in the popcorn tub, just waiting waiting let's go they just get to finish their popcorn well and here's the other thing too is like it would have been it'd be interesting if philadelphia was zero three right now and really things have had gone south with the roster like so let's say maxi wasn't playing well and you know they're struggling and they lose in toronto and they lose let's say at portland here but the reality is like this team probably should be three and oh should be absolutely should, be. should have beat milwaukee um maxi just made uh, all, all um, first enough uh, um, player of the week playing like an all NBA player Embiid is Embiid 
and you're looking at it saying like, we don't need him. We don't need James Harden. We can still be a good competitive top four Eastern conference team. Are we where Boston is? No, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, that thing, that thing's a juggernaut right now for through three or four games. Are we where Milwaukee is? Probably not, but we showed that we can hang with them without Harden. Um, and now we remove Harden. We're still a good team. And now we've got the draft capital or expiring contracts to go out and potentially get something else when we get to January and February. And just to be clear, the Sixers have kind of intimated all along. The reason James is mad is that we, and others have said this too, not just the Sixers, is that we kind of ghosted him ahead of free agency, that there was there was no contact made. James seems to have expected contact because that's just what happens. And the Sixers said, no, we're not going to do that because A, we already got ding for tampering the year before. And B, all these Houston rumors have been out there since Christmas that James wanted to sign with Houston or was interested in signing with Houston. And if that's the case, you know, like A, why would he, why would he have any public or murmured interest in this if we've already allegedly quote unquote promised him a deal. And in fact, the Houston thing could be evidence that we never did. And the NBA investigated it and we never, they never punished us. There was never anything. Um, uh, and so maybe, you know, that's, the, and, and that silence maybe was at the heart of it, just to be clear, but, but in any case, now we just never get to speak further of it again. James Harden now plays for the Clippers. Yeah, I mean, and and he goes into he'll be a free agent next year, and it's the you know the Clippers were basically will walk into a it's a unprecedented situation where you could have Harden, Kawhi, and Paul George free agents and entering a new building. Like that's you know you know you could look at that team awfully different a year from now, but they're banking on that this is really their probably their big swing. Um, that they've got left. Um, they've played, you know, listen, they beat a, a, San, a San Antonio team by 40. That's re- clearly rebuilding. You lose in Utah. Um, you know, you had a, um, you know, you had a, a, a good home win um, in your two and one and you're, and you could probably, it's almost like where Philadelphia is though, but are you ready to put them up there with Denver from what we've seen yet? Ooh. Golden State, you know, that's those are your the goal is to eventually get there when you get to April to be at that level. But right now, um, they're not that this doesn't put them in the conver- the, the Denver conversation. I'm not I'm not doing that. This is last chance saloon time for everybody involved. It's last chance saloon for Harden in the playoffs. It's last chance saloon for this Clippers era um, in, in four seasons together. In four seasons of the Kawhi Leonard, Paul George era, they have won three playoff series and none since 2021, which really, you know, Kawhi got hurt in the Utah series that season. And, and you know, that may have been to date the best chance they've had at the title. And it, and, and it might be the last chance saloon. Who knows? But like, the Embiid situation is still, I mean, again, the team is playing great. Maxie's playing unbelievable. And that's the leverage they had here is that they were, as, as a lot of us expected, going to be fine holding the fort while this Harden situation resolved itself. Now they've got a lot of capital 
draft capital to work with, and they got good rotation players in this trade. I mean, Covington's been starting and, and looked pretty good um, with Terrence Mann injured. And, you know, but that doesn't mean that, like, everything is just, like, long-term stable in Philadelphia for anybody. Um, and and that's obvious because they're going to try to make this move that Daryl Morey has talked publicly about, like, we need to put ourselves in a position to trade for an all-star. Well, and here, here's the other thing, too, is like, and, you know, we could talk about cap space and cap space is great. And, you know, they can create, you know, anywhere from like 55 to like, I don't know, maybe north of 65, 65, 70 million dollars, somewhere in range. But who who builds rosters through cap space these days? I mean, we saw Brooklyn do it in, in 2019, but that was a a rarity with Durant and Kyrie. And, you know, certainly Houston did it with Van Vliet and, and you know, Dylan Brooks and those players. But it's it's very hard to go out there and say you know what we've got seventy million dollars in room and we're going to get, um, for example, Pascal Siakam and, um, you know, and split the other money up until three other three or four players like cap space building a roster with cap space is hard. It, like the build it is usually going to be through the trades. What the draft picks you got back, three first round picks you can move in a deal, the expiring contracts here. So just because we say that they've got you know, upwards to, you know, 65, $70 million. Now doesn't mean we get to next July. That's where they're going to be. Let's start. I totally agree on the Sixers. We'll, we'll, let's start with the Clippers. Cause they're the, and by the way, I agree with you. Like I don't, given the circumstances, I think Philly did pretty well here. Like I, I know that people will want to mock Daryl Morey for sort of, having uh, something went haywire in Philadelphia between two guys who were basketball soulmates in Daryl Morey and James Harden. Something went wrong. Something went haywire. And they ended up trading James Harden for much less than they traded to get James Harden. However, under the circumstances, under those circumstances, actually pretty decent return. The Clippers now become must watch television because I got to see how the hell this whole thing works. Can you actually have Russell Westbrook, James Harden, and Kawhi Leonard, three ball-dominant players on the floor at the same time? And by the way, I'm going to assume for purposes of this exercise that the Sixers, that the Clippers' starting five is going to be James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Terrence Mann, and Evita Zubats. And that Russell Westbrook is going to be... And again, I'm not reporting this. This is just my yeah. common sense assumption. That Russell Westbrook who has done nothing but compete and be a good teammate and has been really solid to start this year, 11, seven and seven. The numbers don't jump off the page, but he's been unselfish. He's shooting. Well, is going to be asked to come off the bench again. And that's a, that's like, you know, not a, like that kind of is a tough sell. Russ is like, wait, I did everything you asked me. And now that you could start all four of them and Zubats and bring man off the bench. That seems like kind of a diminishing returns situation. Um, and if if my proposed starting lineup is actually their starting lineup, their bench becomes Russ, Tucker, Plumley, Norm Powell, who's still here. And I've seen on Twitter people say, well, they're going to have to trade Powell. There's just too many guys who need the ball. He has no. I, I, I disagree. I think Norm Powell is a good player and he's a good enough spot up shooter and a good enough downhill attacker and just a flat out good basketball player. Like, I think it's a big deal that they held on to him in this trade. Even if the Sixers, I'm not even, who knows how much they wanted him. And it puts Bones Highland back in a role of being the 10th guy, which is like, that's where I'm comfortable with Bones. And that's a, it's a solid team. 
I just look at all of these, like, just take that lineup. Harden, Leonard, George, Mann, Zubats. I'm just like, how? I'm just fascinated to see it work. And then you throw in the Russ thing, and I'm just like, what is this? And I, at first, everyone's going to want predictions today on October 31st. Can this team win the championship? Right? That's the question. Can they win the championship? Yeah. Can, can they? Sure. If if lots of things go right, they're one of 10 teams that are in like the if lots of things go right category. But I look at that that roster that I just outlined at first at first blush. I look at what Harden has done in the playoffs. I look at the health record of Kawhi and Paul George, and I just can't put them in the class of Denver. Denver is in a class by itself right now. They are just rolling along, obliterating everybody in their path. Jokic is the best player in basketball. They're a completely coherent team that can play with their eyes closed together almost. The Clippers would present some interesting matchup issues for them that we can talk about. But that's an individual matchup issue. You've got to win three playoff series just to get out of the West and maybe two just to get to Denver. I can't I can't get there with this roster yet. What what are your initial th- and obviously look, we're gonna talk about like who has the ball. Yeah. What are the other guys who are always used to having the ball doing when the new guy has the ball? Is James gonna be willing to take more catch and shoot threes? Is Kawhi, who only takes about two and a half a game historically, is he gonna be willing to take more catch and shoot threes. Are they going to be willing to set ball screens for each other? Um, all of these issues will have to be, how do they stagger minutes? Like at, at first blush, I'm like, they just need to stagger Harden and Kawhi as, as starkly as the Rockets staggered Harden and Chris Paul. And even so that leaves you with like Russ <laughs> playing a ball dominant role off the bench. It's just a strange brew Facing a couple of teams that are just well-oiled machines in the West and a bunch of other teams like Phoenix, the Lakers, Sacramento, on and on. Dallas is three and zero that are just really good. I, I I can't get there. I can't get there. Yeah, I mean, it, I yeah, I mean, I think it presents a problem as far as as far as you know when you put the three players together. I think when you when I look at their roster right now, I mean, I think their bench got better, right? So like, I think that their bench got better when you look at, let's say you put, um, you know, you put man. And uh, the three players and Zubak Tucker comes off the bench. And that's going to be the other thing is that a guy who started, you know, at least the last portion of his career, you're going to have to sell that to him, right? Coming well, off it, the bench. It, and you could it, start him if you had to. Like you can, I was going to say, the, around there. the interesting thing about Tucker is that the theory on him has always been the whole point of having him on your team is he had it is to start him because. 90% of his purpose is to guard the best guy, the best wing, to guard Durant, to guard Kawhi before now, to guard whoever. And he, if you bring him off the bench, it limits his ability to do that. He's just become such a non-factor offensively other than the rebounding. And by the way, I think they're going to need his rebounding on both ends. That at first here, I, by the way, I love that him and Harden are just a package deal. I Patrick Beverly really should have been in this deal. Just to, to complete the Mad Libs of like random of every NBA trade from the last 10 years. Patrick Beverly should have been in it and Landry Shamit should have been in it. Those guys should have been in the trade. Remember, Patrick Beverly was traded to the Clippers when Chris Paul went to join James Harden in, uh, in Houston. Patrick Beverly... Um, inadvertently caused Russell Westbrook to get injured in the 2013 playoffs. And of course they were teammates, Patrick Beverly and Lou Williams were celebrating on a casino floor and Instagram themselves in Las Vegas 
as members of the Clippers when Paul George and Kawhi Leonard did that thing. Was he should have been in the trade? I don't even know what the <laughs> talking about anymore. Do you pick <laughs> it up somewhere? No, I mean, I I just I look at it where you're you, I mean, you're basically the addition by subtraction is Mark Marcus Morris wasn't playing right, wasn't even with the team, um, and you have three role players. I mean you know, that were averaging 15 to 17 minutes. Now you get a player that is expecting to put 35 minutes on there. For all you know, on Halloween, Bobby, this cup that you, it has, God only knows what's in it. Please keep talking. <laughs> um, but I do think <sighs> it is going to be fascinating as far as um, the Westbrook cell coming off the bench, the three, the George Leonard, um, Paul George, who's got their ball in the hands, who's standing, who's watching. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's something that we probably haven't, um, it's something that we probably haven't seen, it ha- you know, as far as where this goes. But as you said before, it's their last big swing, right? Like it's, it's their last big swing to, to try to do something. I mean, just game it out. I, I just, I can't wait to see when the elite teams play the Clippers. Just just game out the matchup. So I'm Denver, and I'm facing the starting five of Harden, Kawhi, PG, Manzu. How am I matching up with that defensively? And I'll, I'll tell you how I gamed it out. Obviously, Jokic guards Zubats. Yep. Aaron Gordon is here to guard Kawhi Leonard. Mm-hmm. Now I start to think. I've got three guys left, Murray, KCP, and, and Michael Porter Jr. Do I want to put KCP on Harden? so that I can switch any two-man action involving Harden and Kawhi. That, that means Michael Porter Jr. might have to guard Paul George. Well, I'm just going to have to live with that. And I might put Jamal Murray on Terrence Mann to, to, to put my smallest guy on their least threatening of these perimeter players. I, I just wonder how many teams will go that kind of route to try to sucker the Clippers into run as much Harden, Terrence Mann, pick and roll as you want. Like we want, we want, we want shots and, and possessions to be distributed away from Kawhi Leonard. We want him to be in an off ball role where he's going to be wondering when the hell the ball is going to come back to me. Then you're the Clippers. They go, well, wait a second. We can just give the ball to Kawhi and one run Kawhi Terrence Mann pick and rolls. And Terrence Mann's a really good screener. That's one of the reasons I want him in this starting five. He's a good screen and dive guy who can make plays in open space. Well, then what's James Harden doing off the ball? And you just wonder how teams are going to match up with them. Like, even you go to Phoenix, you know, am I putting a Kogi on Harden and Durant on Kawhi? And then where am I putting Bradley Beal? Is he on Terrence Mann? It becomes hard to hide a minus perimeter defender against these guys. On the flip side, where you put him and how you, and how you match up man for man for man, no pun intended, the Clippers are going to have decisions to make offensively where to start possessions who initiates possessions and and some of and everyone is going to have to change the way they play Harden is going to have to set ball screens sometimes I, I I would just experiment with like if I'm the Lakers I might just mess around and put like you think I'm going to put D'Angelo Russell on Terrence Mann to hide him there let's put him on Harden and see if I can just like sucker them into running a bunch of Harden Zubats pick and rolls but then that's really good offense it's still good offense I just think it's gonna be interesting to see how they match up. But if, if D is on James Harden, if I'm Kawhi Leonard, I want you to come up and screen for me so I can get a size mismatch. They're going to have to work all that stuff out. And those are three sticky, sticky ball handlers in Kawhi Harden and Russ. 
And Russ, to his credit, has just gotten them accelerated and amped up the pace. Um, it's just it's just going to be a fascinating experiment. I, I just don't know how it's, it's going to work. And I can't wait to see these other teams play them to see how they to see how they try to influence the Clippers offense and choices on offense by the way they match up defensively. Well, and that's why when we, when we started doing the podcast, that's why doing this at game four compared to that game 55 in February just made the most sense, you know, from the, from the Clippers perspective, as far as from a little bit of a sense of urgency where you do have a little bit more of a, a runway to figure out, what works, what doesn't work, who comes off the bench, you know? And so when you get, as I said, when you get to kind of mid April, you're not still trying to, to figure it out here. I mean, you just, I just like, do I, there'll be a lot of Kawhi zoo pick and rolls. What's Harden doing off the ball. I just going to be so interesting to see how they fit it all in. Like what's Paul George doing this whole time. Who's guarding Paul George. It's going to be, and, and I would keep an eye on that. You know, I watched that Utah game, mm-hmm. and the Clippers, I think I've watched every Clippers game so far. The Clippers, once they acquired Plumley, kind of like went out on the whole, we're going to play no center. We we actually want size. We want a center. We needed size rebounding screening. Wouldn't surprise me if they dabble with Harden, George, Leonard, Mann, Tucker, and say, let's let's see if we can play a little bit more five out, a little smaller. Let's see if we can get away with it. And at least we can put P.J. Tucker in the corner. And he's still a decent corner three-point shooter. And by the way, he has a good he has a good track record of guarding way up in size, including like one of the only guys in the entire NBA who has ever made Jokic look uncomfortable for even like a nanosecond. Um, what else? Give me some more Clippers thoughts. I mean, hey, they'll have him for the plan. <laughs> or the the uh, in season tournament here coming this week, I think it's just. I I just think they're at you know as I said like you know they were kind of at the last you know for a team that's three games in and was two and one was basically just kind of at the last you know the last resort as far as trying to get you know as far as trying to get something done and um, it's just a matter and if it doesn't work, then you basically can go into the off season without a player that's under contract here, but man, you know, based on what was given up, you know, you know, this is, this isn't a, you know, wipe the slate clean and we'll, we'll build back this roster, you know, through, through free agency here. This is, you know, when you made the, when you made the trade in, um, in 2019, they've been doubling down ever since here. And this is, this is the ultimate double down. It's just going to be weird. I mean, and when all four of them are on the court together, you take man off, and you put Russ in his spot, it's just, it's it's going to be so weird. And that doesn't mean it's not going to work. One of the things that Kawhi brings to the table in these kind of matchups, if you're talking about matchup hunting, like I mentioned KCP and Akogi, you know, do you put them on Harden and try to switch any Harden-Kawhi stuff? Kawhi is so big for a wing that he can overpower those guys. Those are like actually mismatches for him. He's not the average sort of, Six eight guy who would settle for fadeaways against those guys, he can actually overpower them. It's just going to be so fascinating to see the way that they play and how they split up ball handling duties. And if everyone here is ready to screen on the ball, pop for threes, roll into open space, cut all that stuff that like 
James Harden has just generally wanted to dribble and either run pick and roll with Embiid, and then if I'm tired of that, I just want to take step back threes. Like that's not going to fly anymore. Like Kawhi, he's the third best player on the yeah. team. Yeah, he's the facilitator, right? I mean, that's basically where what his role is is probably going to be. And that, but and Kawhi like, doesn't just stand. Kawhi no. doesn't want to just stand there and space the floor. Kawhi wants the ball. He wants the, the ball at the, the elbow. Key. He wants yep. to jab step. He yep. wants to back guys down. And like James, look, the the biggest shot James made last year was a catch-and-shoot three in Game 4 of the playoffs from the corner to win that game, Game 4 of the semifinals yeah. against Boston. He shot, I think, 1.8 catch-and-shoot threes per game last year, which doesn't sound like much, and it's not. For James Harden, that was like double his volume during prime James Harden. I just get to do whatever I want time with the Rockets. That's going to have to be higher. Kawhi's number is going to be have to be higher. They're going to have to figure out how the hell Russ fits with all this. It's It's going to be a good team. It's going to be a very good team. If healthy, which is the qualifier you have to give the Clippers above every other team. I just, Denver to me is just it, over here, unfazed. I don't think Denver gives one iota that this happened. Maybe they give a couple iotas. And I, look, we're not going to do the whole Western Conference today. The Lakers haven't looked great. I'm not worried about them. Um, uh, Phoenix hasn't looked great. I'm not worried about them. Beal hasn't played yet. Booker's missed time. Uh, Golden State. Looks really, really good. And just as a, as a sidetrack here, I'm really impressed that they landed on Chris Paul coming off the bench almost immediately. If you will recall, listeners, when they acquired Chris Paul, from day one, I said he should come off the bench. And the reasons are, are pretty simple. Number one, if your stated goal in getting Chris Paul is to prop up the offense when Steph Curry rests... The easiest way to maximize that is to bring him off the bench. Yeah, you can start him in stagger minutes and just bring him off the bench. That also um, would allow maximum Clay, Draymond, Steph time. And I think it's really interesting that in the early going, the Warriors are, are using a full five-man bench unit with Chris Paul, Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga, Dario Saric, and Gary Payton II which is not something they've done a lot during this halcyon era of Golden State basketball. And it plays kind of in Chris Paul's image, a little slower, a little more methodical, a lot of pick and roll, and it's working. Not say that that's going to be their go-to rotation all the way through, but they look, Wiggins has started, Wiggins showed some life last night in New Orleans for the first time all season, showed some life, showed some bounce. You know, I'm on Tim Legler and I have a running joke that we just want to wear t-shirts on TV that say, we're still in on Kaminga. I'm still in on Kaminga because we he had a great, like, great preseason. He had a terrific. We preseason. never talk about Kaminga. We always want to talk about the stars on TV. So Tim and I have, have come up with the solution. We're just going to wear matching shirts that said "Still in on Kaminga." Moody looks good. Like they look really, really good and just coherent. And the Clippers are going to have to spend some time becoming coherent. Um, but I just, it, to me, is it worth it? I guess I guess let's just ask the question. Yeah. Bobby, is the price worth it? I think it is because you're looking at picks down the road. I mean, 2028. Who the heck knows where this team is going to be? Right? Uh pick swap in 29, seconds in 24 and 29. Considering how much they've already invested in this roster, and as I said, they've basically have been doubling down s- since in in every trade they've made. You might as well continue to go all in. And I think it is worth it based on, you know, where this roster is right now and who knows where they're going to be next year. 
Here's where I come down. I kept the 2030 pick. I kept man. I gave up a pick swap in 2027 to the Thunder. I can live with that. And I can live with it because the Clippers, look, look, they've, 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 they've done the whole like, all we need is the Pat Beverly type next to Kawhi and PG. Didn't get over the hump. They flirted with every sort of um, hybrid point guard who can work with the ball but doesn't need the ball all the time. Drew Holiday, Malcolm Brogdon, et cetera, et cetera. Didn't get him. Didn't land him. They've never had a passer like this playing with these guys. Not even close. James Harden is still one of the five best passers in the NBA. Now, there's a lot of prelude to some of those passes that um, is a tough adjustment for players who are used to having the ball a lot. But I think the passing and the durability and the ability that the other players have to cover for James defensively. All James wants to do on defense is switch, and these guys can switch, particularly if they put Tucker at the five here and there. I I think the swing is worth it to me. I don't think it will result in an NBA championship. I don't think they can beat Denver if Denver's healthy. I don't think they can. I'm not even sure. It's too early to say anything about any other team in the West. I don't think they can win three playoff series in the West unless they get really lucky in matchups, they are healthy, and somebody takes an injury. But even given that reality, I think the swing is worth it. Yeah, I mean, it probably gives them more of a puncher's chance than it did you know, before making a deal. And, and, you know, they, and basically they were relying on those two players, George and Leonard staying healthy, which they haven't shown to do, um, you know, in the last three or four years. You know, I, I remember, I remember writing a piece back when the Nets had two stars and the Clippers had two stars about big twos and big, remember big threes were dead. Oh no, mm-hmm. never a big, big twos, the new big three. And it was, it was, the piece was about the debate about, once you get two, how aggressive should you be to get the third guy? And obviously, as as I wrote then, it like it depends who the first two guys are. If they're Shaq and Kobe, you or Jordan and Pippen, you may not need like a third super duper star. Those guys are just that good. Um, it depends on a whole lot of variables. One of the 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 the, the executives I talked to at the time who were like very pro go get the third star. One of their arguments was if we got three. And one of them gets injured at some point in the playoffs. We can serve, we might be able to gut out a playoff series because we still have two. You know, usually you lose a star, you're just done. Um, sometimes that's true. Sometimes that's not. Sometimes it depends which star gets injured and which star doesn't. I don't look at this team as a team that can survive an injury to a star, even for one playoff series. Yeah. And they cannot survive an injury to Kawhi, period. Um, but you can't have everything. Let's talk about the six. Do you have any parting Clippers thoughts? No. I think we've we've covered all the bases for the Clippers. I continue to Pelton and I had this debate. I continue to just have a little nausea in my gut if I start thinking about the Clippers perspective. And he and I disagreed on this. I'd actually be interested in your take. I, I said the whole point of trading every pick and every swap and SGA, who by the way looks totally unstoppable, minus the one two of sixteen game he had the other yeah. night for Kawhi and Paul George is that I just don't have to do that again. I don't have to weigh going like all in again. And KP's counter was, you know, that was 2019, Zach. Like they might have thought then by 2023, they would have to go half in at least to bolster this team. That was not like a permanent 
you don't have to go all in thing. And they didn't go all in here, but it, I still would have like a, oh, I don't know. I'd have a pit in my stomach. Like, man, I can't believe we got to like reach like this when we already reached like that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's a funny way to look at it. It's like almost, I, I remember somebody was talking to me about, you know, back in when I was in Brooklyn and stuff and be like, Oh, you, you know? And I was like, well, yeah. I mean, like if we didn't do it, then we was going to be something else. Like you're all in, right? And you keep like when you're all in, you keep on like you're the best thing that happens is when the calendar changes, Zach. You know why? Because then you can trade another first round pick down the road. You know, that that's that's the the beauty of it here. And um the Clippers were all in 2019. They basically had nothing left, but now three years later, your draft picks start to replenish itself and you're still when you still have those two players on your roster, you're still considered to be all in. And when they're, they've been hurt as much as they have, and they have not played as much. Um, it's basically, you have to see it. You have to see it through. Um, you, that's just, that's, that's the reality of it. Let's talk about the Sixers. The irony of the Sixers and the dis- the whole discussion is going to be like, who are they going to trade for? They have all these picks. Who's who's yeah. tradable? Who can they get? What what can can they get? Someone who doesn't cannibalize their cap space, or do they want to effectively use their cap space now via trade and fill that salary slot via trade? Who's available? What teams don't look like they're doing so well? Is the irony is that they're actually a pretty good team? <laughs> like, yeah. so I just I just penciled in their starting five now, um, with Tucker gone and Harden obviously has been gone. Melton, Maxi, Harris. I put Rocco in there just because, you know, like let's let's embrace him back in the bosom of the process. The process yep. has come full circle for Robert Covington. He was starting for the Clippers. Let's pencil him in there and Embiid. Then off the bench, I've still got, you know, Beverly, Ubre, Batum, KJ Martin. Those are like they got three rotation players, not including Marcus Morris, in this yeah. trade. And and Paul Reed, and that's before I get to House or Springer or anybody like that. And I can sprinkle those guys in and out depending on I'm still I still got to stagger Maxi and Embiid. So, you know, depending on which of those guys is on the floor that's gonna influence my bench unit. Maybe at some nights I don't have to play Pat Bev. Who knows? Some nights I do. He he's been fine for them. Ubre's been outstanding. That's a good that's a good team. It's not good enough to be Boston. It's probably not good enough to beat Milwaukee, but Milwaukee has not looked that great. Um, Dame and Giannis are not running as much two-man game as, as we all thought. I, I looked up the numbers today. Game by game, it's 11-7-7, seven, and seven, I think, mm-hmm. pick and rolls between Dame and Giannis, and Dame's pick and roll volume is way down. And it's been a little clunkier than I thought. The whole Chris Middleton minutes restriction slash didn't play half of a back-to-back is like, seems troubling. I, they keep saying it's not troubling, but 16 minutes last night, one of four, like, okay, I mean, at some point, Chris Middleton's got to be Chris Middleton for this whole thing to work. But... Let's just be happy and assume that he will be. D- this team's really good. I don't think it's that good. Do you disagree? Do you think they could win the East as is? I, you already kind of said no, but not as want- is. Not as is. I think it gives them more of a solid base. Um, as I said before, it eliminates the distraction. I think your bench probably does get better adding, um, you know, with Martin, Batum, and um, if you start Covington, um, if, hey, if Maxi plays as he has played, um, you know you're the you know top three team in the Eastern Conference as is. And now, what's the move that you have up, you have up your sleeve if there is a move 
um, when you get closer to the um, when you get closer to the trade landline. Who's the team out there that's got the f- potential free agents, and you need to parlay them into something here? Um, and you now have, as we said, 26, 28, and 30 to move. You've got a bounty full of draft picks. Um, you know, you have the flexibility to even go under the luxury tax if you had to. Uh, Corkmaz's contract basically gets you under. Um, that's a move down, you know, certainly a side move here. Um, but no, I don't, they don't, as I said, they don't get you to Boston. Um, they get you closer to Milwaukee. We'll see how that team plays out. But as the Eastern conferences, I mean, we're very early, but I mean, Cleveland, New York, you know, I mean, some of these, I mean, it's only Boston looks good. Really? Yeah. I I, I I don't mean that. I don't mean that like only Boston is good. I mean, only Boston looks as good as expectations, at least among teams that we consider playoff teams. Like Detroit has outplayed expectations considerably, yeah. although they lost. Yeah, to the Indiana, last night. Indiana has, Orlando has. You know, like as those teams, those back, you know, um, you know, Brooklyn is wh- who they are. You know, there it is. What it is. You know, they'll be a they play hard and but you know they're probably a five hundred team. But, but like Tor- at- Toronto's in like look at Toronto. I mean, oh, they're we're going to talk about Toronto, Bobby. You know they're we're they're one in they're they're one in th- three, and you know they had the disaster against Chicago. Um, you had um, you know the Portland game on Monday night, which was an ultimate disaster. Here, I mean, there are there are going to be teams out there. I mean. You know, non-Eastern Conference teams. I mean, Minnesota goes in and you know to Atlanta and it off of Atlanta back to back and basically gets their butt rear kick. In the second half. Yeah, I mean it's it, it was the rare like fifty-two to fifteen run. My Hawks like, are back, baby. My Hawk people wrote off the people, the naysayers, the doubters wrote off the Hawks after an zero and two start. Bullet to board material. Nobody believed in us. Nobody. Nobody uh, believed in us. <laughs> Um, my Hawks so, are back. So from Miami, Miami looks like injury well, here, but, riddled but, and bad. But, but here, but here's the thing: like Miami is, is like it's for them. It's always been. It's it's all. It's a, it's comp- comparable team from a year ago. I know they 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 said you know hey we've gotten better with our depth with Richardson who's been hurt and Caleb Martin is hurt. Thomas Bryan is there. It's. Like just like get into the playoffs, it seems right. Well, like and also in fairness, Jimmy's missed a game and yeah. Bam missed last night's game. It's like and Caleb Martin's missed the whole season. He's like a glue, more than a glue guy for them. So it's it's a, the point is, it actually does look like the, like right now the Sixers can act as is can look around at the East and be like, we're we're completely fine. Like we're number we might be number three with a bullet right now. Yeah. No, I mean that's. I think that's the way. And I, I said, you know, you basically could probably be three and zero. I mean, after that Milwaukee game here, and um, you know, reinforcements are reinforcements are coming, and more are probably coming. You know, months from now. Okay, I need. This is where I need your expertise. Who are you looking at for potential Sixers trade targets? You can go big. Mm-hmm. Part of part of the luxury of of up to. You know, between fifty and sixty-five million in cap space, as you as you said on X, yeah, is they actually could like make a smaller trade for a fifteen million dollar good player on a multiple year contract. Now, Daryl doesn't really do smaller trades; he does lots of picks for a star yeah. um, kind of trades. But you could do that and still have max cap space left over. Um, 
who you, you, do you, you, you could say we're not trading for anyone on a multi-year contract that's bigger than 15 because we need that space. You could say, let's just get the guy now. Who are some of the names you are looking at, Mr. Marks? Well, I mean, let's just start small, right? So when I'm talking small, like what do I need some more shooting off my bench? So does, um, let's say, Batum um, and picks for like Alec Burks, stuff like that, right? Like just very, that's just small tweaking the bench here second round picks for that that matches um from that perspective here big picture wise is that i'm looking at what's going on in toronto i'm looking at i'm looking at siakam i'm looking at og i'm looking at two potential players that have um could be free uh siakam's a free agent og's got a player option um that are going to be the top free agents um next uh next off season and i've got now i've i've got the draft equity equity to go out and 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 do something there let me be very clear i'm not reporting any of this none of this there's no trade talk this is just purely you and i spitballing common sense ideas ogn and obi was the very first name i thought of and then you get into this interesting little dance that we've seen other teams with cap space do or cap space coming do it's like, well, what, why are we trading everything for him when we can get him in free agency? But you need him. You, you, it helps your team now. And like that's always we've seen teams lose that bet pretty big time. Plus, if I if I trade you all these picks, three picks, and the, Toronto's gotten some monster offers for OG and Anobi, so three picks to them, they might just say, "Hey, we've got that before." You know, can I can I like can I get a, like a Boucher? Can I just get someone for the back end of my rotation? Along with it, that was my first OG Ananobi was my very first name. You mentioned Burks again, like smaller deals, like the, the idea of the Sixers trading like one first round pick for Boyan Bogdanovich. That's just not what they do. No. Um, but that was another name on my list. But OG Ananobi, OG Ananobi and Gary Trent Jr. is probably not. That's probably too much for Toronto to give up for what Philly can offer. But again, it's it's just common sense. The Raptors are one and three. The trade deadline is in like four months or six months or five months, whatever the hell number, but like it's early, but continue. Give me some more. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, what happens? I mean, what happens in Minnesota? Does towns, I mean, does towns and Embiid fit? Does that become your big guy? You know, is three first round picks enough? Three first round picks and like maybe not even any players that are that interesting to Minnesota. Like there's no young prospect no. that I'm dying to get here. I he's on my long list. That salary is so big and it's so early. And I will say, it just they don't look good. Like I I was high on Minnesota coming into the season. The Cat Go Bear thing still does not look good. And it's early, but it's on my long list. It seems a little that seems far fetched to me, but it was on my list. Yeah, I mean, um, and that's and to be clear, that's the play of we're just going to use our cap space now. We're just going to get the guy in the door and use him now. Um, Zach Levine would fall under that same category. I'm sure you thought of him too. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've I've thought of him. I've I've saw I've thought of Demar Derozan, who's on an base, who's on an expiring contract at twenty eight point eight million dollars here, or twenty eight point six million dollars. Um, you know, that's not going to cost you three first round picks. Um, but as you said, like that's, 
you know, that's not kind of, you know, a one, a first round pick there. And then two, you know, if you're, if they're going to do something, it feels like it's going to be kind of all three here. Um, that's, that's where I kind of crossed off like Gordon yeah. Hayward. It's Harrison Barnes, these Kyle Kuzma. Yeah. Who yeah, has a declining I mean, deal. Like all those guys are interesting for various reasons. I just don't know that there's a, and again, it's early in all of those. It's just too early, right? Like Harrison Barnes, the Kings are good. The Kings are trying to win. Well, that's the thing. It's like, um, you know, the teams that there's, there's, there's nobody, you know, we're not 10 games in and you're two and eight. And now we're all of a sudden we're looking like we've got to shake things up. Sacramento is going to be in it. You know, they're you know, two, as you said, two and one, they had a good win against the Lakers here. Um, and that's where you kind of have the, you know, like teams like, um, yeah, you just go even like Memphis, who hasn't won a game yet. Like they're going to probably, you know, they're not in sell mode yet um, until probably where they are. I mean, God, who knows where they are when Jog gets back after 25 games. It'll be interesting to see how patient they can be and how willing they are, the Grizzlies, yeah. to potentially watch this season get away from them. Because that's, that's where we are. And I was low on the Grizzlies. Like I, I couldn't believe all of these stats projections were projecting them to win the West. And I had them in a much lower tier than that. And I did. And part of the reason was that there had been rumblings about Adam's health for quite a while. I'm not surprised they're struggling, but I just don't know what the, what the deal is. Um, but the thing with the other thing with Levine and that you have to think about is like Maxi is a six, two or whatever guard who has just been okay to a little bit below average defensively. I think he can get decent, but like I can't like people have already, I've st- I've already seen on Twitter Trey Young like that just defensively mm. that's just not going to work. Levine kind of brings some of the same issues, which is why you you get to Ananobi and a guy like that pretty fast. Um, what's going to be the going rate for Jeremy Grant, former it's process an, yeah. sixer? Um, it's a lot of money. Man. It's a yeah, I mean he's got what five for one sixty was the number. Um, that's the like like probably two ones. You know, one uh, good I, one. I think I mean, Portland would jump. I mean, if I'm Portland, if I I don't, I'm, if I can get two clear. ones, yeah. If you can get I'm two ones, that. yeah, I'm doing that too. Um, is it worth a good one? You know, is it um, the that 20, Clippers picks a good pick twenty eight? That's a good pick. You basically clear your 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 cap ledger there. You basically can take back some of those expirings down the road here and get that money off your books and you get a good, I mean, you basically keep on adding to your, your draft equity here. And that's, that's the type of deal where it's like you're splitting your cap space. You're splitting it with a player under contract and then you can still go out and do some free agent shopping. Or maybe you figure he's your guy. Um, and then we're going to bring back the Anthony Melton. We're going to kind of add, you know, add through um, retaining our own free agents. This is, what about Ben? Just kidding. Hey, he was good in Charlotte. He was good in Charlotte. I didn't see that game last night amid all this. Night, Almost a triple double. Was it a triple single? <laughs> I haven't looked at the box score yet. I'm asking sincerely. I think it was 8-10. Was it 8-10 and 10? The funniest possible outcome would somehow be if in this whole nexus, in this web of transactions... Down the line, somehow Ben Simmons or Kyrie Irving were involved. Not even necessarily going to the Sixers, just somehow if all of this ends up touching them, that would complete the circle of life in the NBA if somehow that happened. I don't see it, though. And again, Dallas is 3-0. Um, 
Yeah, those. I mean, you Malcolm Brogdon. That's another smaller, smaller deal. Um, like I, I just don't. I don't know. This is all maybe. Pre- I'm sure Philly has had a lot of meetings about this, but it's just so early. It's it's just hard to know. But it's it's hard to resist looking at the Raptors, given that they're one and three and not looking very good. No, I mean I think you have to, and based on you know you know and how their you know players under contract are with Trent and Anobi and Siakam, all could be free agents. I mean that's just that's the reality of it. I do like the idea of they can get like a $15 million player if nothing mm-hmm. else. If all else fails, they can get like a buddy heel level player and still yeah. have max cap space. I mean, that's an option. It's not it's not the one that's going to light Philly talk radio on fire and really make the front office feel like they've done their job. But it's yeah, just like a guy like that is at least helps your team. I agree. I mean, the double max you know, is is extremely hard, right? I mean, like that's, you know, and then you, as you look at what's um, – you know, what's available free agent wise, you know, the top echelon guys, you know, you're basically looking at, you know, outside of Drew Holiday in, in Boston, you're looking at Clay, you're looking at um, the, the guys in Toronto. Um, you know, it's not, it's not a star studded, you know, the two guys in the clip with the Clippers. I mean, like, it's not well, a star. <laughs> we've, we've talked about this before is like it, it amid this cap space fantasizing, you have seen, Boston acquire maybe your bell of the ball of cap space and Drew Holiday and a, a good team, a great team who's going to want to extend him. You have just traded your disgruntled bearded player to a team with two other guys who would be uh, on your list if they ever became truly available. And so if if that goes well, who are you looking at? And you start to the list starts to get smaller, but you know they'll things will happen. I mean that's like the, that's like the the going. That's like the general idea that you have to remind yourself that Daryl Morey would remind you too. Is like things are going to happen. People are going to become available. Teams are going to be good. Teams are going to be bad. Guys are going to get hurt. Like stuff that we don't expect is going to happen. No, I mean that. That's you know that's you know worth. What, what are we three months from the trade deadline? Where you know we've got so many more games to be played that somebody we don't think will become available will become available, and Philadelphia will have to decide. You know, is it worth it? Now we have to get to the real meat of the podcast. What is your What is your disagreement with Halloween, and why? And, and I, please defend yourself because I, I now think you're a bad person. I I don't know if it was because I got apples as treats or you know coins. Um, you know, when I was little, my mom always we'd always have like the metal detector and I'd have to go through the candy and stuff that maybe turned me off a little bit here, but. Just was never a um, never a big dress up Halloween guy. I'm not. I don't forbid it for my own children. Now, well, they're actually well, it's very, teenage. It's very, it's very generous of you, Bobby. You did not forbid them for participating in Halloween like a Puritan. They're, they're teenagers here, but um, you know the Halloween stores are not the Party City is not where I'm. I frequent regularly just to peruse the the uh, costumes right, here. Let, let's ask the important question: Will you have candy for trick or treaters? No. Are you kidding me? Do we do you not get here, trick or treaters? Here's here's the reason why. Oh my god. We li- we live in Southwest Florida. We are probably the uh, youngest, I mean the um the youngest people here in our 50s. Um most of the people in our development are not going to be getting here for another 3 weeks because of the you know their snowbirds and stuff like here. But um we are not likely we've never got I haven't gotten a trick or treater in two in, in okay, two years. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. So there you go. I would you, though. 
When I lived in New Jersey, I had candy for people. Let me tell you this, teenagers. All right, so we go out trick or treating. Our our daughter's eight. We're gonna go with her. It's the highlight of my entire year. Is trick or treating. Like I love it. It's it's the most fun. I'll dress up. Everyone will dress up. That means the house in past Halloweens has been abandoned, and there's a sign. Take one or take two. I'll give you two. Big bowl of candy. Take two. I almost want to get a ring camera because I know some jerk kid is dumping the whole bowl. Because we go trick or treating for half an hour, we come back. Check the house. It's gone. And there's just no way that it's gone. My parents are coming this year to hand out the candy. So I got bad news for you, jerk teenagers. Two pieces of candy and get the hell off my lawn. But I love, I do love Halloween. And I will dress up. Um, any parting thoughts on this? Have we, have we exhausted our, our brains? Well, the good thing is now we can just watch basketball and focus on basketball. And we won't have to worry about any drama, at least for now. Um for a little while ha! <laughs> famous last words james harden plays for the clippers holy smokes you know why not why not why not bobby marks thank you sir thank you